This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome back to the Blue Army Podcast. This is episode 41 and I'm very, very happy to welcome back everybody's favourite co-host. It is Will. Say hello, Wills. Hello, Wills. <laughs> you, you, you sound like you're ready to talk about I've something today, man. Only just, I've only just watched the highlights, so, uh, you know. You spared it right until the last minute. <laughs> uh, well, you're looking, you're looking well anyway. You're looking well. You look like you've had a bit of a shave, clean shaven. So, like, I don't know if that was really that taxing on you and you just had to do something to maybe just uh, make yourself yeah. feel better. Did it, have, did it have anything to do with the clean shave, just the poor result that it made me Yeah, I like yeah, when the third, well, when the penalty went in, I was just like, right, it's coming off. No, uh, it was it was Halloween, and it was for a fancy ah, dress. Ah, <laughs> it was for a fancy dress. What did you do for Halloween? Nothing really. In the, <laughs> I went to I went to a party. I know. What did you dress um, up as? What did you dress up as? Nothing. <laughs> oh, you just you just I dressed up as a shaved to... will. Just oh, a shaved yeah, was... will. It was I, I was it, it it was a bit late and I thought I'll shave and see what I can come up with and <laughs> nah. <laughs> nothing, nothing came out. Nothing came out. Right. Well, mate, I'll tell you what, we'll crack things on with the show. Yeah. And as we always do, start off with a bit of tradition here on the Blue Army Podcast. So that means it's time for the Blue Army Podcast Joke of the Week. Is he having a laugh? I think he's trying to. <laughs> Right, I'm quite happy with this one. I'm quite happy with this one. We're staying away from blue jokes. We're staying away from blue jokes now. The uh, bit of a bad omen around blue jokes after the audio dive and me and you tried them last week. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that wasn't very good, man. I was thinking, you know, Blue Jokes, Blue Army Podcast, but nah, we're yeah. going to stay away from Blue Jokes. Just a nice clean one for you. Here we go, Wills. Question for you, mate. How does the moon cut its hair? Oh, I don't know. How does the moon cut its hair? 
eclipses it. <laughs> I can see you. I can see you cracking up. Let's Bloody hell. Bloody hell. I thought Liam Denwood was hard to crack last week. Jesus. Eclipses it. That's right. Eclipse it. I reckon that's a better one. Eclipse it. I reckon that's yeah. a better punchline. I'm going for the one. I'm going for the one it said written down. Eclipses it. So there you go. Um, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that, man. Right, let's crack on with things. Let's go through the rundown and tell everybody and yourself, Wills, what we're going to be doing. Yeah. Okay. On today's yeah. podcast, here we go. Today on the pod, we'll take a quick look at the weekend's Premier League results. Don't worry, though, we'll be a bit quicker than we were last week with Liam Denwood. Um, although people did enjoy it last week, I felt it dragged on yeah. just a little bit. Uh, after that, we'll be talking about the 3-0 defeat against Northampton Town. So we'll be getting into the serious nature of things, the yeah. nooks and crannies of Keith Millen's first game in charge at Carlisle United. And then we'll be hopefully taking a bit more of a dreamy positive approach as the FA Cup campaign begins for Carlisle United. And we go head to head with the mighty Horsham Town. And we'll be having a look at Horsham where they're from, what kind of league they're in, and how they've made it this far in the competition. Uh, so, yeah, all of that to look forward to, mate. But first, what we'll do is we'll have a quick blast through of this weekend's Premier League results. There's no Friday night fixture this weekend, so we had a full or blustered Saturday um, fixture list. Man United beat Tottenham by three goals to nil. We'll have a little extra depth look at that in a minute. Southampton beat Watford by one goal to nil. Newcastle lost to Chelsea by three goals to nil. Crystal Palace beat Manchester City in what might have been the shock results of the day but Liverpool also dropped two goals against Brighton to draw 2-2 at Anfield Burnley won 3-1 against Brentford Arsenal did quite convincingly beat Leicester 2-0 and that was your Saturday results on Sunday West Ham beat Aston Villa by four goals to one and Leeds managed to beat Norwich to sort of stop their bad run of form for Leeds, but pile on the pressure for Norwich City. And, mate, that's the first sort of team I want to have a look at uh, this weekend as we do our Premier League roundup is Norwich City because it's a little bit closer to home for Carlisle fans as we've more recently played Norwich City and Leeds. Uh, so we've got a little bit more of a tie to those two kind of clubs. We've got a good record against Norwich over the years and um, a half-decent record against Leeds. But the way Norwich are going at the moment, mate, the points they've scored, the games they've played, they're on track to be the lowest points-earning team in Premier League history. Do mm. you think that's the way it's going to go for them? Um, it was Derby, wasn't it? Was it Derby who set the record? I think it was Sund- something Sunderland. Was it, was it Sunderland? Sunderland? The last time Sunderland won the Premier League. Did sure. Sunderland maybe break Derby's record? I remember Derby being involved yeah, in it. Was it, it's, was it it's, nine it's either, points? Yeah, yeah. I think it was 11 points by one of them, and now it's nine points. I'm pretty sure. Nine points. Yeah. Mm. Um, and how many points do Norwich have at the moment? Two. I mean, it's still going some to get less than nine points, you know. Mm. But we're, so, at the I mean, point, after... we're at the point where we play 10 games now. Yeah, so yeah. You, you know, oh. if, if, if you're walking through it and doing maths, you're going to predict that they get like eight points by the end of the season maximum. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, yeah, like, like, you know, like I say, you know, no matter how bad you are, it's going some to get fewer than 10 points across the course of a season. They've got like eight points to get to avoid being the lowest ever or joint lowest ever, at least Premier League point scorers. You know what I mean? Like if, 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 if they come up against a, a poor team of one of the teams around them, some of them, like Newcastle and Burnley could be pretty bad. Um, you know they could they, they could get a win and then suddenly and then suddenly they only need what like five points so yeah i mean you know um I, I, they certainly look capable of getting less than 10 points it's still yeah. going some to act, it's still going some to actually get that few points in the season though yeah, I get it. I get it. I do, but I don't see them getting any better after January. I feel like yeah. Newcastle well, might just come in there, take the more uh, talented player, like the Aaron yeah. and the Campbells, and then you really don't have anything left. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, but look, you know, look alone will get you a few points. You know, no matter how bad you are. So there's always that. Maybe the looks ran out. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see, we'll see, we'll see. But they are a yo-yo yeah. team, Norwich. They're always up, they're always down, and it's yeah. not really a surprise. It's not really a surprise to see them around the area. What it is, though, is a surprise to see Crystal Palace uh, doing quite well. Well, I say quite well. They're 13th in the Premier League, and a lot of people and pundits were predicting that they were really going to struggle this year yeah. under Patrick Vieira's tutelage, and they're not. They're doing really well. They're flying and they managed to beat Man City at the Etihad yeah. by two goals to nil. And he kept the composure really well. And what I like about Crystal Palace is that they do look quite mature on the pitch. They've got quite level-headed yeah. players on the pitch. You know, the guys look like they've had their backs up against the wall a lot of their careers. They've always been in a dogfight. They've always been looked at like relegation contenders. And They've had, a, you know, they've matured under that pressure, and they look, they look quite comfortable with it now. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's all been about being hard to beat with them. Uh, just look at their record; they've, they've only got two wins. Uh, I mean, you know, they're, you know, they're mid table, um, about like halfway between, between European football and relegation places. But they're kind of like they look, you know, quite hard to beat. Um, six draws, only two defeats, but only two wins. So they've got the same number of wins as Leeds, who are in 17th, only a couple mm. of points behind them. Um, they've got the same number of defeats as the likes of Manchester City and West Ham. Manchester City, West Ham and Brighton have all got just two defeats. So it's And they've got the most number of draws in the league. So I think it's all about them being hard to beat. They drew four in a row before this win. And uh, you know, one of them was... Uh, against Arsenal, where you know they could have won that, it was a very late equaliser by Arsenal. Yeah, I just uh, yeah, they're, they're a good looking team at the moment. You don't think they're really yeah. going to be anywhere down there at the bottom come the end of the season. And another team that's doing possibly better than a lot of people would have thought that they are, uh, would have done at the start of the season is West Ham United, who are still in fourth place after another very convincing victory, but this time over a good 
Aston Villa team. They won 4 one, um, it was, it was, I thought it was predictable. West Ham looked good and Aston Villa look a little bit shaky at the moment after yeah. losing Grealish. They can't put together a consistent run of form. But um, yeah, I like the way that West Ham play at the moment under Moyes. And uh, you wouldn't really thought you were ever going to say that about a team that's managed by David Moyes. Um, but looking back yeah. on reflection, the Everton team wasn't the worst team to watch. They had their exciting moments where they managed to climb up to yeah. like fourth in the Premier League at some point. And the last game we'll have a little cheeky look at, mate, is Man United winning by three goals to nil at Tottenham Hotspur. And today, yeah. obviously, Tottenham Hotspur have sacked their manager as pretty much a direct result of mm. that. I could I mean, lose, lose to Man U and that's going to be the final nail in your coffin. It's just funny that they've been beaten by Manu, and that's kind of what's got him the sack. It's almost like, you know, given all the stick that Oli Gunnar Solskjaer is getting a Manu, and kind of like the kind of like the stuff about them having a disappointing season, it's always quite <laughs> funny to kind of like make, make it look like, you know, can't, I can't be losing to Manu. There's a big, team. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a big gulfing class between those owners, uh, a big change in <laughs> cultures between the ownerships of those two clubs, definitely. Yeah. And um, yeah, apparently Conte is already being offered an 18-month contract to go to Tottenham. So that's yeah. quite an interesting move there. Um, Conte was obviously rumoured around the Newcastle United job, but I'm pretty sure he said not this time, but maybe in the future, um, because there hasn't really been a lot of uh, Conte talk around the Newcastle United job. And yeah, that seems like a job that Conte could take. I wouldn't be so surprised by that. Uh, what I will say about the way that Tottenham are playing at the moment, it is interesting after watching that Amazon documentary where yeah. Jose is at Tottenham Hotspur and the way that he's telling them to be C words and play like C words and you know be horrible, be ruthless, be aggressive in matches. Yeah. And the way that Tottenham are playing this season, they don't they just don't look like that. They don't look like someone's reminding them. Um, that they need to be nasty because they don't. They just don't look nasty on the pitch anymore. They don't look like no. they've got that that killer instinct, and that's what can give some players, not every player, yeah. but that's what can give some players the extra couple of yards, the extra bit of drive to get to the ball first. And yeah. it just doesn't seem like that. It was happening under Nuno, unfortunately. Yeah, well, Nuno's a bit of a nice guy, isn't he? I think yeah. so. I mean, maybe it is that um, you know Mourinho has signed players because they react better to being encouraged to be nasty. And Nuno's come in and said, no, don't be nasty. <laughs> maybe that's, you know, maybe it's upset the balance. I don't know how many changes are made to the squad over the summer, whether it's still mostly Mourinho's team, but... Um, no. I, I, can't, I, I can't remember any massive marquee names yeah. coming into Tottenham over the summer. Yeah. But, um, I mean, the question is... Yeah. They're currently eighth in the table. That's not bad for Tottenham. Should be celebrating no. that. Well, <laughs> How's Tottenham? I think I, I think it depends on what kind of Tottenham fan you're speaking to. Um, I know. I don't I mean, kind of like. I don't know how if the I don't know if their spending is really kind of like enough that they kind of. But I mean, like in terms of kind of bigness, I, I don't know. The the Tottenham really needs. 
I don't know, should they be expecting to be top four every season? Oh, well, if they weren't, then why would they keep hold of Harry Kane? For fuck's sake. Like, what was the point in doing that? They should have just got rid of him the second he said he wanted to leave. If, you don't, if they don't want to be in the top four, why the hell did they yeah. keep Harry Kane? They should have just sold him off. Like, they would have been in the, they would have been eighth without Harry Kane. <laughs> you, don't need Harry, you don't need Harry Kane to finish eighth with that Tottenham side. You can have 120 mil in your bank account. Well, evidently, yeah. evidently, you, you are having him in your team and finishing aim for the moment. Yeah, you're quite yeah. right. But it's just, oh, it's madness, mate. It's absolute madness. Um, and, and Tottenham, Daniel Levy, he's, he's, do, you know, do you know what he reminds me of? King Jong-un. He's just, I'm going to run this club the way I'm going to run this club and, and that's yeah. the way it's going to be and it's my dictatorship and it might not be the way you run your football club or the way that you would run any business for that matter but that's the way I'm doing this and I'm not going to be negotiated to and I'm not going to be this and I'm not going to be that um bit like a bit like a child really who's never been sold what you can and can't have but there we go we'll have a look at the way that those results affected the Premier League table this weekend just before we move on to talk about what everyone's here for really Carlisle United content so the Premier League table stands with Chelsea still at the top of it with Liverpool still in second place and Man City and West Ham in third and fourth respectively. Uh, The other top eight positions being ran down as Man United, Arsenal, Brighton and Tottenham. The relegation zone, as we've already mentioned, is occupied by bottom of the table. Norwich on two points, Newcastle on four. But Burnley, who won this week, has managed to put a bit more of a gap between themselves and the bottom two by getting themselves onto seven points. And so Leeds also won, though, so the gap's just as big between themselves and the bottom of the relegation zone. So that's enough Premier League talk. We'll move on to talk about Carlisle United's 3-0 defeat at the hands of Northampton Town. It was an early kickoff that that caused a bit of a kickoff, a bit of a stir, because a lot of people didn't really know that. Um, so they, they were like, oh, F, I have to set off a bit earlier. And uh, so there was a lot of people scrambling to get out the door that morning, get themselves down to the game. Uh, but a great effort from <laughs> Carlisle United fans, 280 Carlisle United fans making the long journey down to Northampton. And as we normally do, we'll start off by giving you the Carlisle United starting lineup. For the game against Northampton Town. In goal, we had Howard with Meller returning to the squad at right back. Whelan, McDonald and Armour at the back with Mellish and Guy sitting in front of them. Gibson, Clough and Dickinson in a tiered midfield system with Alessandra playing up front on his Oh, now that's not the first time Alessandro's played up front on his own recently. Yeah. He's done it um, under Skelton as well. And I imagine that was probably heavily advised by Skelton. In fact, a lot of this team apparently was heavily advised by Skelton. No. Looking at it, mate, the one thing that really stands out for me is the lack of Riley. Where the hell did Riley go? He's probably the best player right now um, on form in a Carly United chair. And he wasn't in the starting lineup. What was going through your head when you heard about the Carlisle starting lineup missing Riley? Yeah, it, it seems to have been kind of like the fall guy for most of the season, the kind of the guy that, uh, you know, like if we drop from a midfield three to a midfield two, it's always Riley that misses out. And he's treated as, although he 
he has played a bit of right back this season. He's still kind of like not seen, you know, in any way as being the first choice right back. Um, so uh, Mello was fifth, so Mello started. Um, so I guess, you know, um, that's going to be something for Keith Millen to look at is, you know, can he change the system? Say like... Um, I can kind of like see that if he's already decided that it's too late to change the system, um, so we're going to play with that um, with that three of Clough, Dickinson, and Gibson again. Uh, we're going to play kind of a back four. I can I can kind of like see how in that system it's difficult to fit Riley in. Hmm. So, so yeah, so like. That'll if you're gonna play, if you're gonna play, sorry, sorry, mate. But if you're gonna play, if you're gonna play Alessandro up front on his own, I would yeah. have to say when push that Clough is a better option to play up front on his own than Alessandro is. And then if you're gonna be filling in that gap in the middle of the midfield, that attacking role, you put Riley yeah. there. That's where you put you put him there, and you wouldn't have Alessandro in the team, or at least that's the way I would have done it. That might if I was playing that formation. Yeah. Might be a conclusion that he comes to. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's maybe just kind of come in and said that. Uh, I mean, are you basing? So you say that like it's a skeleton team. Um, are you basing that just off Keith Millen saying that after two days he doesn't want to come in and kind of give them a whole new thing, or are people saying that no, actually, skeleton picked that team? Because I no, think I'm going, I off, think I'm, that, I'm going off the interview. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's. I don't think Skelton picked the team. I think it's just that was how we, apart from Mella coming back, that's how we kind of like set up in the last game. And therefore, Keith Millen has not made any changes to that. Um, I think, you know, obviously if Skelton had come along and said, oh no, I think we should do this. If Skelton had wanted to make changes and advised him to make changes, I, I think Keith Millen would have said no. We're gonna stick with what we did last week because because I need to look at them before I make changes. So, well, I mean, by the time the end whistle went, I probably would have said now it was retrospect on my side that I would have started Riley instead of Guy. Yeah. But we'll we'll go on to talking a little bit about what's gone on um, in the center of Carlisle's midfield and yeah. maybe how how the new contract might have affected. Uh, things on the pitch a little bit but yeah we'll we'll go through sort of like the throws of the game there's a couple of chances for Carlisle earlier on there's one for Alessandra that you've noted yeah. down mate um what do you want to yeah. uh, what would you have to say about the chance that Alessandra had um looks like he should have done better with it I mean he's you know he's not he's he's not the tallest and if we had a taller person in there then that might he might have kind of been able to head that down, maybe because, I mean, Alessandra's quite decent in the air for someone of his height he does kind of tend to win things that you wouldn't think he would win, but if he just had that extra that extra bit of height, or if he had someone in there with that extra bit of height, because he just gets under it he just can't get up high enough to head the ball, you know, down Yeah. So, uh, what, what's, what stood out for me on that attack? Uh, and Carlisle, uh, I don't think I've said this yet, but Carlisle did start the game very well. But what stood out for me with that Alessandra header was the fact yeah. that 
Um, it wasn't a very well defended um, moment for Northampton. There was a ball that came in from Armour first on the left-hand side, and then that yeah. found its way sort of through the box, wasn't dealt with very well. And then yeah. Mella crossed it from the right-hand side and then found Alessandra. What I will say about that phase of play is that you could see the difference between the quality of crosses that were coming from the left-hand side and the yeah. quality of crosses that were coming from the right-hand side of the game because Mella's crosses are a lot more cultured than Armour's are yeah. at the moment. Armour's yeah. are sort of long and high and just sort of hospital balls that are going into the box. But yeah. when Mella's doing it, he's whipping it, he's putting the pace on it. And yeah, I'm just seeing yeah. that, that. That's what stood out for me during that phase of play. And then it continued yeah. to stand out to me for the rest of the game. There was another moment um, in, in, in that opening exchange between Carlisle and Northampton, though. Yeah. I, um, I, th- I think I sent you a still shot of it where um, McDonald's... Yeah, I mean, I had no idea what the still was supposed to be of. <laughs> so there's an extended <laughs> highlight. You can quite clearly see, maybe, if you can have a look at that still now, that the ball is yeah. ricocheting off the Northampton defender's arm early on in the game, and the commentator yeah. makes not much of it, and nobody really appeals for it. And to be fair, it doesn't really feel like a big deal until you get to the Northampton penalty later on in the game, yeah. and we'll get there to that. But, mate, yeah. that was... A penalty, a stonewall penalty within yeah. the first sort of 15 minutes of the game, um, especially when you're looking at what the referee continued to do for the rest of the game and the, the penalty that he gave away later in the game. Okay, yeah. I mean, I say, uh, I, yeah, I couldn't, I mean, I've not seen that highlight. I didn't know what the, but yeah, looks yeah. like a, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 in my in my opinion, mate, it was clearly a handball, yeah. and especially yeah. if you're going to give away that handball later on in the game when two goals have already gone in, and it's going to be the third goal, then it's just yeah. you know you've got the, the, obviously there wasn't a a, a, a a consistent standard of refereeing yeah. decisions in the game, and so it didn't get up my nose necessarily at that time, but when the penalty was given against Carlisle. Yeah. It really did because I don't know what Alma's supposed to do in that position, stop any any kind of contact with the ball. But obviously yeah. their defender, the way that the ball has hit his hand in that moment is yeah. as a d- directly resulting the path of the ball and therefore affecting the way that the game is being played. So that's a penalty. But if it's a tiny little sort of like breeze off someone's fingers that just sort of, and the ball's still going in the same direction it was going to go into yeah. anyway. I, I mean, you know what I'm saying, mate. I'm not happy with that exchange yeah. anyway. Okay. Uh, so, obviously, things went from uh, going good for Carlisle uh, to going bad for Carlisle in yeah. um, quite, a, quite a quick turnaround. Carlisle were pressing high uh, for most of the opening exchanges. They were... Uh, def- defending high up the pitch, pressing the ball yeah. in, in, in heavy numbers. And there was a moment, unfortunately, where we did win the ball back high up the pitch, but then very quickly lost the ball. And what can sometimes happen in those moments is that you just got to get caught on the break. And the, so that's exactly what it was. That's kind of what happened there. Yeah, they kind of got caught on the break uh, around the halfway line. We won the ball back, then we lost it a, a little bit silly. Um, and then obviously we we, we had um, Mella went to close down his man and then the ball was sort of passed infield. Mella left his man 
to close down the ball yeah. rather than staying with his man. Um, and then obviously the ball went back into him. He crossed it and there was nobody on Lewis whatsoever. He was wide open to score the goal against us. Yeah. Um, the so, only thing I can say about that is, is it was a bit unlucky the way that we lost the ball in the midfield. It was... Yeah. Um, I can understand why Mella would go and close down the ball instead of staying with his man, but that's an error as well. And the fact that nobody had picked up the runner Lewis is a little bit disappointing when you've got two yeah. midfielders that are sitting back in that position to do exactly that. Yeah, so like... Um... I, I kind of watched it off the highlights and uh, my note just started. It looks like it must have been a counter-attack. Carlisle outnumbered, so you're saying it was. Mm -hmm. um, no sign of... Yeah, no sign of armour, who I think is the one who might have... Well, he, he kind of appears on the, on, on the frame, like, late on. Uh, but kind of when the cross gets put across, you've kind of got McDonald and then two... And, and then two men. And... Um, uh, as you know, re uh, regarding Mella, um, I've, I've put in my notes, yeah, that he's, he's drawn over to try and close a gap. Whelan was not close enough to his man, um, mm -hmm. so Mella is drawn over, but did he need to? Because um, at that time, we're still outside the area. Whelan still has time to, uh, to get across, and, you know, if a shot does come in, then it's a fairly, you know, it's outside the area. You hope he keep is going to save those. Hmm. Um, so I don't know. Does does Mella maybe not have enough confidence in Whelan, or does he, or or was, or you know, or, or was it something that needed to be done? Am I wrong in saying that Whelan could have caught, Whelan could have got across and shut the door? Um, but yeah, I've I've, I've just put uh, both fullbacks appear at fault there, uh, but because I thought it was a counter attack, then I'm also thinking well. If Carlisle were on the attack, were the full you know the fullbacks that they bombed forwards, and are they really to blame for not being in position when suddenly the ball's going in the other direction? Because I mean, we you know we get onto that with the later goal about like the positioning of players when we lose the ball. Suddenly we go from being on the attack to being uh, to, uh, to being on the defense. You know, you've got fullbacks if they're instructed to bomb forward and join the attack. It's, it kind of will leave gaps if we counter-attack and not necessarily the full-back's fault. But it looked there that, um, yeah, um, that Armour and Mella both looked somewhat culpable for the goal. Yeah, and that was just for the first goal. The, the two centre-backs were exposed. Uh, Wheeler and McDonald were exposed on a number of occasions throughout the game, uh, which I'm sure we'll maybe make a few comments on as we go along. It's the first game that... Um, I've seen Whelan look quite that uncomfortable when the ball was yeah. coming towards him, quite that frightened maybe when the ball was coming towards him or maybe undecisive when the ball was sort of coming towards him, not trapping yeah. it for the first touch, not clearing his lines, maybe in the moments where he was more comfortable doing it at earlier yeah. stages in the season, starting to second guess himself a little bit. So maybe he's actually trying to show that he's a better defender than McDonald is and that's costing him because he's focusing too much on taking the lead of the defence. Maybe, I don't know. I would say Mella's the natural leader 
in that defence. And yeah. do you know what? We'll, we'll actually talk about who maybe are the natural leaders going forward for Carlisle United in just a little bit. But well, um, that goal came towards the end of the first half in the 41st minute of the game. So it didn't leave Carlisle with a lot of time to reply. As we went on to the second half, it, it looked like... I, a bad reaction to whatever was said in the dressing room. Um, yeah. Players were getting snappy. There was a lot of arms being thrown in the air. Uh, there was at least uh, two occasions. I noticed armor. One occasion, I noticed guy doing it. And when your captain's doing it, you really don't want to see it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's it, it. A lot of people giving it the old "what you doing there? You should be over here." And 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 lots of voices, lots and lots of voices shouting at each other. Not one yeah. strong voice shining through, which is you know what you think we really need right now is yeah. is somebody who's going to stand up and put people in their position, but. The way that Carlisle came out for the second half, it did not take long for Northampton Town to find another way through Carlisle United's defence. Uh, the second half, we looked half the team that we looked in the first half. You could see players taking digs out of each other, like I've just yeah. said. And um, yeah, I think I think it was Armour, was it, that passed the ball into Guy, who was in the uh, sort of yeah. our own half, passed it behind him, you'd have to say. Yeah. And uh, what would you say happened after that with, with Guy's touch? Or was it was was it good pressing, maybe? Are we being too no. harsh on Guy? No, we're not, are nah, we? No, I think it was a bad Because, yeah, I mean, like, I did put on my note as well that he was a little under hit, but hmm. there was still space around Guy. Um, it's it's one of them ones where you say, oh, he's passed it behind him a little bit. It takes away some of our forward impetus. It shouldn't it shouldn't be resulting in a Northampton attack because yeah. you know the worst that a, that a pass that's a bit poor like Armour's you know should do is take away some of our own attacking impetus. But he he he, he takes a bad touch and then he tries to recover and then takes another bad touch. Well, to take another bad touch, he just fails to get it, and then number 19 picks it up. Um, I have further condemnation for Guy later on in this, but I don't know if you want to pick it up with what happens after Guy loses it here. Um, I mean, obviously, after Callum Guy loses it, there just seems to be a lot of space at the back, and uh, McDonald really doesn't stand up to close down his man, and it's, it's a gift isn't it? It's a gift. It's just a gift on a plate yeah. for, for the Northampton attackers. Um, Howard left with with not much of a chance there. He's not sure whether to rush his lines or or to stand his ground. And mate, it's it's as a Carlisle fan, it's hard to watch. It's really hard to watch. And and you could see it from the moment that Armour underhit the pass. And I'm not going to blame it all on Armour because yeah, Callum Guy does have a lot of blame on his plate yeah. for what happened. I wouldn't blame in the it goal. on Armour at all. Because I mean, Guy should still have picked that up and brought it forwards. Yeah, it's... yeah. It'd be harsh. It'd be harsh to to lumber it on Armour, but also yeah. at the same time, he was having a bad game, and that contributed towards the bad game that Armour was having. Yeah, at, at the time. But yeah, it is, 
Yeah, fair enough. Most of the blame has to be led by Callum Guy. It was a well, bad touch. It was a very casual touch. It was yeah. not a lot of strength. And this is what I've been noticing more and more. Every time you watch uh, the sort of highlight video, or, or any video, in fact, of Carlisle playing, yeah. when Callum Guy shakes the hand of the opposition captain, he always looks half as skinny. Always looks half as skinny as the other as the other captain. Yeah. Um, and in this league, you... Yeah, it's it's physical. It's a physical league, and Callum Guy is a bit of a luxury player. He's a luxury item in this league, and um, a team that don't play good football don't need luxury items yeah. in the team. And, I, mean, I don't think and, that's that relevant because I mean he didn't play good football on this occasion. He kind of like miss you know miscontrolled an easy control. So I don't yeah, this think is... this is anything to do with physicality. I think yeah. I think a bit of it. I think he shows himself not to have the not to have the strength and the challenge there, or all the awareness as well, or to have the will to 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 stay on the ball in that moment. Because there's yeah, he gave it's it up too easily. He gave it up it's way not, too easily. Yeah, but he's not under a lot of pressure. It's only mm. you know, like he if he gets that ball and takes a decent touch. There's not any Northampton player who's kind of like coming in to challenge him for it. He's got quite a bit of space. It's only, it's just, it's such a bad touch that he kind of like, he brings Northampton players into the game that weren't in the game initially. And, but that's just on the, on how poor his touch is. I mean, to be fair to him, there is, he does kind of keep up with um, the Northampton player who he gives the ball away to, uh, but is, you know, is, He's, he's got a couple of yards behind him because he's given the ball away that badly that he... What do you do? What do you do? Do you take him down? What do you do? He, well, here's the thing. He, he, he does keep up with him and he prevents him from getting a shot in, but this is where this is where other players come into it. So at this point, uh, although Guy has made the mistake, he, he has tracked back with the Northampton player and... The, and the Northampton player doesn't get a free run into the area to put a shot in. But what happens is other defenders have been drawn towards the Northampton player who's breaking. And so, like, I was, like, watching McDonald and seeing, you know, seeing if I can see on the highlights, does McDonald have a little look over his shoulder and see that there's two Northampton players running in? Um, Mel is not there. But, you know, again, this is where I talk about... Um, you know, where you've made a mistake, um, a Callum guy under very little pressure has given the ball away and suddenly Northampton have players on us. You know, um, Mellor shouldn't have probably been in a position where he was looking to get back and defend at that point because we had the ball and we had the ball in space and we're going forward. Suddenly, things have changed. So I, I didn't see Mellor arrive um, but maybe that's just because we, you know, we were on the attack or we were building an attack, and Mellor had gone to join it. Um, but yeah, McDonald doesn't spot that there's two unmarked Northampton players coming in behind him. Um, you know, Mellor wheeling, wheeling an armor at that at that point, and, and then Guy worst of all. So okay, so what happens is um, the um, player that the guy loses the ball to feeds it across the goal to one of these two players that are coming in. Mm-hmm. Even there, and Guy just, at that point, just stops running and stands and watches. Um, Armour and Whelan are also in the area. None of them think to get back and defend the line. 
a guy just doesn't do anything at all. He's he's lost the ball. He's chased back. He's prevented the he's prevented the player from getting the shot away, and he passes it instead. And then it's almost like he thinks my job here is done. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but then McDonald doesn't doesn't pick up his man there either. Like when it goes over to him, he's it. He's not he's not marking anyone. He's well, literally he's no man's right. land. He's drawn towards yeah. He's he's drawn towards the ball. But they all are after um, guy's mistake, and that's another thing as well. It's kind of like you know you've got a Northampton player running through, and it's a bit of panic. You know, instead of thinking, okay, it's someone's job to get this, mm-hmm. Jack Armour, you know, a Jack Armour or Callum guys chasing him back, Jack Armour. You go help him out, me and Corey Whelan. This is McDonald. McDonald and Corey Whelan will kind of keep an eye on other players because they turn around. Yeah, there's two other players coming in there. McDonald and Whelan should be like, okay, well, we'll go and deal with them. But it's kind of panic. Guys giving the ball away and everyone's like, shit, 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 and just runs towards the player, <laughs> you know, the, the Northampton player who's breaking. McDonald doesn't look behind him. Um, Mella, I'm gonna give Mella the benefit of the doubt and say that he was in the wrong place because we, it, because he thought we were on the attack. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, just it's just kind of panic. It's just kind of everyone kind of thinking, being drawn towards the ball. Um, you know this, and because at the end of the day, the, you know the player who picks up the ball from guy, you know. It looks at first like he's just going to run through on goal and get a shot away, but he doesn't get a shot away. So, you know, he's not the big danger here. The big danger is leaving other players running in. And I don't think from looking at the highlights that McDonald looks behind him, and he should be. And, you know, he should be doing that for, like, lead leadership as well to Cody Whelan. And I don't know, I mean... Can we even kind of like implicate Mark Howard in this? Because he's the one who's in a position where he should be able to see everything. Is he not yeah. shouting to McDonald, there's someone coming on you, there's someone behind you, can someone mark this that, guy? That's, that's worth pointing out. That's definitely worth pointing out there. The fact that Howard needs to have a voice um, and needs to be telling people where other, other attackers are. But that's true yeah. to be said from, from most of the players in that position there. Like, for example, Guy had a very good view of what was happening behind Whelan's back, you know? He was running in the yeah. same direction. He had the same view that I'm, the attacker had, pretty much. He was I'm kind of angry him. at Callum. Yeah, I'm kind of angry at Callum Guy for this. Not for, for the... Up. Yeah, for giving up. It just looks like, I mean, like, even if he maybe couldn't have gone to the goal line... <sighs> At least try. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like exactly. all that would take is like I'm saying about bringing him down and taking a yellow, even risking getting a red. Um, but yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd get him. He'd have he'd have got a red, and it would have been a penalty if he'd taken him down in that situation. But he he shouldn't have done that, and he didn't. I mean, like I said, like he actually did the first bit after giving the ball away, right in that he was able to kind of like stay on the player who he'd given the ball away to. It's just him stopping. It's it's him it's him giving the ball away initially is bad. It's it's him and to an extent also Armin and Whelan stopping what they're doing once that you know once the pass has been made. It's to an extent Howard if he saw things could he have made something and it's McDonald not looking and seeing what's around him just being just running towards the scene of the crime where 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 the ball's been given away. Um, poor goal to concede. Yeah, 
A very poor goal to concede. And the third goal is a very poor penalty decision to concede. The referee giving a penalty against Armour. Um, I didn't see any sort of contact that changed the flight of the ball if there was contact no, at all. Armour Armour was furious. He was pointing at his his thigh. Um, and obviously trying to show some kind of mark to the referee to be like, look, there's a ball mark on my thigh or something. It's a yeah. strange, strange thing to say. Um, but like to a footballer, it's probably a normal thing to say. One of those occasions where then that made me angrier, like I've already said, about the penalty that we didn't get at the start of the game. Yeah. And that's an influential moment now in the game because... If we were given the penalty at the start of the game, we might have had a different game plan for the next 70 minutes of the game. Yeah. And we might have been able to hang on to at least a point or maybe, you know, maybe, you know, have some momentum behind us and go yeah. for another goal because that was the way that we seemed to be playing, like I said, with the high press. And it seemed to be doing quite well. Yeah. We seemed to have caught Northampton out of the blocks. They weren't ready straight away and yeah. they probably thought they were going to get more possession in the early stages and so we kind of just missed our opportunities when they came unfortunately and we, we didn't get any better throughout the rest of the match we got worse and you can't do that if you're not scoring goals if you don't have a lead to defend you can't start tailoring off you need to keep going yeah. You need to keep pushing. And um, so after the second goal went in, Carlisle made the substitution of putting Empala on, uh, which was nice to see. I haven't seen him in a while. So we had Abrahams and Impala playing up front. Abrahams was a first half substitution. I think Dickinson took a knock in the first half. Yeah. So there was a bit of a formation. I think you went off quite change. early, yeah. yeah it, was, it was around the 25th minute. Uh, yeah, of- listening to the thing, there was um, a collision between him and... A Northampton player, and uh, both those players eventually came off in the first half. So, um, hopefully, not just a bit of an impact injury, not a muscle one. Yeah, hopefully. But it did force Carlisle to sort of change their game plan. So, when Impala came on, it did look a lot more 4 4 2 y than the opening exchanges looked. And to be fair, it looked to have given Carlisle a little bit more of a uh, a toehold in the game. Northampton seemed to have slowed down their momentum for a bit, but it wasn't long until there was a Northampton goal through that penalty. And yeah, 3-0 Northampton. Carlisle looked like they just sort of ran out at, at, that, at that moment and they, they were just sort of like damage limitation control after that, unfortunately. Uh, there's a few things that stood out from the game for me, mate, and I've already mentioned one of them. It's the fact that Jack Armour seems to be getting worse with every week that passes by. His delivery of the ball into the box does not look good, uh, or at least as good as what it was looking last season. Yeah. Those sort of like long, lofty, flighty balls. There's no technique to them. There's no class to them. There's no pace to them. They're not the sort of balls that a short attacker is going to be able to get on the end of. You need to be whipping them in Yeah. Feet, you know, um, below head height. You need to be whipping them in with a bit more venom, trying to get your toe pokes in, in and around the six-yard box. And it's just not the sort of delivery that you need. Um, 
Yeah, you'd be tempted to put Char- I I would be tempted to put Charters or Bell, one of the young lads back there at left back for the game against Horsham, and give yeah. them a good run at left back and see if they can show a little bit of class. Because I reckon Arbor needs a bit of a rest, or at least he needs a bit of a kick in the ass because he had Anderton last year and he would have he would yeah. be swapped in and out of the team last year. This year, I think he's had two rests both of them for Dickinson. And I don't think anyone thinks Dickinson's a natural left back. Nobody thinks that he's ever going to rival him for his position. And also Dickinson is the best left-sided midfielder in the team. So he's not going to be constantly playing left back because you need him playing further up the pitch. Um, So there needs to be things getting tried. There needs to be things swapping around. There needs to be personnel leaving. There needs to be new personnel coming in uh, very soon. Uh, in my opinion, mate, um, there's the, there just needs to be a, a, a shift of atmosphere in the changing room. And a quick way of doing that is by shifting some personnel around. And um, I mean, I'd start by just, just getting rid of my loan players and, and, and maybe loading some yeah. new ones in. I just, just to give it a different feel, mate. I mean, I, I just yeah. like young isn't getting utilised. I imagine Villa aren't very happy that he's not getting much experience, that so they'll be keen to get him somewhere, that he is going to get some experience. And the same for Jensen. Um, yeah. I think Liam Denman told us that last week Jensen was playing for the Burnley under-23s. It's a bit of an, yeah. an emergency situation. But yeah, the, that's the way that the cookie seems to be crumbling at the moment. And yeah, new manager needs new personnel. And it feels like what we were thinking at the start of the season was maybe our strongest position, the centre of the park, because we had Mellish, Guy and Riley in those centre midfield positions. Maybe we've got three players that actually aren't good enough. Because when you think about it last year, we had Dean Furman that had to come in and help that midfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, right. Um, sorry, Callum Guy's kind of been, you know, his performances have notably kind of dropped off this season. Um, and because he's the captain as well, and because he's seen as the senior player in that midfield, although he is still fairly young himself, um, then I don't know if that kind of affects the performances of those around him as well. If he's having a bad game and, you know, giving the ball away or just kind of standing and watching as goals go in, you know, if that kind if like players, especially like the young players, are thinking like, that's my captain. That's the guy who is supposed to be lifting everyone around him. And he just doesn't look like he's doesn't look like he can, his heart's in it. Yeah, it has been disappointing. And I, do, you know, do you know when my first alarm bell started going is when Chris Beach yeah. said that I don't want just one captain. I want a, a full team of 11 captains. I just disagree with that philosophy from the get-go. Yeah. You need you need to back somebody. You need to back one person, back them and give them the confidence and show them that they're representing this football yeah. team and you as a manager. And when you go out into the press and you start telling the press that you're not really bothered who captain is, then why should your captain care who the captain is? And it's just, yeah. it's it's bred the wrong kind of attitude on the pitch. And yeah, more and more often we're seeing less and less from Callum Guy because even yeah. he's, he's not even taking as many free kicks and corners as he used to be taking. Other people are starting to take free uh, yeah. set pieces now. Clough's setting, setting up free kicks and stuff now as well. So 
is becoming less and less of a vital player for the team to be in that starting eleven. And I would say the way that we're playing right now, we need a defensive midfield player who's like a pit bull, who's going to win that ball back and get us on the front step again. And that's not Callum Guy. Callum Guy is not a tackler. Um, he's, yeah. he's, a, he's a ball playing midfielder and so someone else has to give him the ball because he's not going to get it back himself um, he's not that kind of challenger and like I've said physically when you stand him up next to most of the other captains in this league he looks skinny he just and I don't mean that in a derogatory way I'm, I'm, I'm a skinny lanky lad myself but like I'm not a professional footballer um, and when your leader isn't the biggest strongest person in this league most of the leagues, it might not matter as much, but in this league, it matters to have someone physical as your leader, someone who's, who's literally the, the hardest person in the changing room, kind of along those lines, like to be your leader in this league, that kind yeah. of thing matters. Uh, we saw it in my day with, with Kev Gray, that sort of, the way he charged out that, that, and then he charged his way to back-to-back promotions. Um, and it's got a yeah. lot to do with the leadership of that team. And from talking to people who were in that team across those two seasons, they've said exactly the same thing. And it's strong leadership that will get you to win games. And at the yeah. moment, I'm not seeing strong leadership from Callum Guy. And now I'm not even saying, uh, seeing good performances. Yeah. So, I mean, this is where hopefully, you know, touch wood, Keith Miller, you know, Keith Millen has good contacts and can get as a player that he's maybe worked with at some, you know, some teams, you know, the, the, the teams he's worked with, um, you know, can he get as a player who was maybe sort of like, uh, you know, under Keith Millen at somewhere like Crystal Palace or Bristol City, and he's now a bit older, a bit wiser, but also dropping down the leagues a bit, but has higher, you know, I know nothing about them. Or Everisons or Iversons. Yeah, I know what you're saying though. Yeah, it would be nicer to to, to see uh, him utilize that that contact list of his and and take one of those sort of like players if it matches up, um, you know, the right kind of player to come in to this team and really make a good impact. And I feel like in the center of the pitch is one of the places we really need improvement. We need improvement in a lot of places. <laughs> we need improvement out wide. We need improvement up front. We need improvement in the middle. We need improvement in the middle of the defense. Yeah. Um, and then we need then we need strength in numbers on top of that as well. We need like other options at goalkeeper. We need other options at fullback. You know, it's just it's just on paper a squad that actually looked quite strong at the start of the season. All of a sudden, it's it just doesn't anymore. It looks like we need recruits all of a sudden. Um, I'll tell you what yeah. we'll do, mate. I, we'll have a little look at what some of the listeners had to say this week. Chris Gibson. Okay had this to comment on the game. He says, uh, not a great performance, but difficult to judge the new manager so soon. That's fair. Um, get the two cup games out of the way. Then by the barrel game, we'll see what impact Keith Millen has had. We are obviously crying out for some additional players, but it's a long way until the transfer window opens and we have to turn it around somehow before then. It's a mammoth task um 
well summed up there by Chris, I reckon, mate. He's uh, yeah. quite a cultured wordsmith, is old Chris Gibson these days. Ah, yeah. I mean, you know, like th- there might be one or two fans that are kind of like immediately jumping to criticize Keith Millen either because because the performance was poor in the game or because of things he said that they're like reading into. He was kind of like quite keen after the game to talk about that there were positives. And, you know, that's just manager speak. Um, It doesn't necessarily mean that they're making the team complacent behind the scenes. But some fans, you know, some fans don't like that. And if you get managers who come out after a defeat and say, well, we were good at this and we were good at this, some fans all kind of like get, you know, take that quite negatively and maybe think that is he going behind the, you know, is he going to the dressing room and telling the players, are you all positives? But, they're, you know, players are professionals and they should be able to, after a game, sit down and go through the positive, you know, the things they did well as well as the things they did badly and not get complacent because they did one or two things well. And, you know, hopefully you know, hopefully the actual post-match briefings or whatever they do after, you know, when they return to training are a bit more balanced like that. And, you know, he's, he's, he's not been in the club long enough to, he did say that he was just going to stick with the formation because to try and change it after two, in two days would just make things worse. Just yes. fair point. It's interesting, interesting that you say that. Another comment uh, from another guy called uh, Mark Towns. I think this is the first time comment from Mark. So thanks a lot, Mark, for making a comment. Uh, Pua again, what can you say? Skelton's team selection was written all over it. Why didn't he go with Beach? There's a lot of people saying that, mate. Um, I hope that Keith picks his own team this week. Then again, we are playing Horsham. That's about our level at the moment. So Mark, obviously not happy, taking a few digs there. Um, I think unless it was Keith, we would have seen the back of Skelton. But because it's Keith, because Keith has this relationship with with the board, I think he would have known coming into the job that, 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 you know, Skelton was your number two when we weren't really wanting to pay him off. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who his assistant was in Sweden, but like some managers will go around, the more experienced managers will go around with an assistant, like when we brought Keith Curlin and um, Colin West comes with him. Uh, we, uh, we brought Sheridan in and Tommy Wright comes with him. Um, the newer managers or the managers who maybe been, not, you know, not had many spells as a permanent manager, which, you know, Keith Millen has been known more as a caretaker in this country, um, generally don't have an assistant that goes along with them. And, you know, maybe that's kind of like something that David Holdsworth is looking at in saying that, you know, maybe they have um, kind of a negotiations with some managers that they maybe want, but then, but then go that manager's like, but I want to bring my own backroom staff in with me. And the board are like, well, that's going to cost us more money. So they then kind of end up going with somebody who doesn't have a backroom staff that they take everywhere with them. Yeah, that's kind of what I was barking up, mate. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, 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 
that's that's kind of that's kind of what everyone's thinking at well not everyone's thinking at the moment obviously mark's not thinking that because yeah. mark mark's trying to figure out why skeleton didn't go um but uh, that's our opinion on that mark that's why skeleton didn't yeah. go with beach because once again the board wants to save a bit of money and also also i doubt i doubt skeleton would have had any influence on beach's squad selection because beach has got a yeah. quite strong personality and i think skeleton was considered to be a yeah. coach very much a well, coach yeah i mean to be fair to skeleton he didn't come in with beach either he was at, he yeah. was at the club already when beach came in and he yeah. was promoted to assistant manager because they hired beach same as we're talking about with millen someone who doesn't come with an assistant and so they said, well, we'll provide you with an assistant. We're going to promote our... Uh, no, no, he was actually Stephen Presley's assistant, wasn't he, as well, Skeleton? Yeah. Yeah. He was. So it was, it was under Presley that he was promoted. So, uh, again, like, Skeleton, Radio Cumbria the other week, you know, when we were still yet to appoint a manager, they were kind of talking up Skeleton and... You know, um, I didn't necessarily agree with everything that they said. They were almost saying that Skelton should be given a chance, maybe, or would be worth a chance as manager, and I didn't agree with that. The one thing they did say that I agreed with was that Skelton's been at the club for a while, and, you know, he's not he's not attached to any of these managers that he has been assistant manager under. He came in as a coach, and I think he came in as an academy coach, even, and he's been he's been put into this position, and it's maybe a, a it's a bit unfair on him to kind of like say that, um, well, you know, you're part of the problem if Beach is the problem, or you're part of the problem with Presley's the problem. Yeah, uh, you know, he's 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 basically been asked to do that job because it saves the club some money. Yeah, I feel like he's a blank slate of a coach. I feel like he's yeah. got no prejudice. Whoever comes in, he'll work with in whatever way they want to work. He'll do the yeah. formations however they want to do it. He'll run training sessions designed by them. Yeah. You know, I'm sure it's just, he's hired to be a coach and, and yeah. he's an assistant manager, but yeah, he's hired to be a coach, not a tactician. Uh, I don't think anyone's taken his influence into the changing room on such on such a grandioso way yeah. to think that he should also get the boot with somebody like Chris Beach. So uh, thanks very much for the comments there uh, in the comment section. Um, if anybody has anything else to add or wants to get involved in that debate, you just need to go onto Facebook and type in the Blue Army podcast. It was right on there in the comment section. And you can get involved in the conversation with Mark and Chris if that's what you want to do. Um, and obviously we'll give you our opinions as well if you ask for them. Um, but there we go. Next weekend's opponents, mate, it's Horsham Town. Yeah. They are in the non-league Ishmian Premier Division. Um, I mean, it's a bit of a contrast of statements calling something non-league and then saying it's a Premier Division of some kind. But They're all Premier Divisions down there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In a, in <laughs> they, a do, but they like to give them grandiose names. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Our, our FA Cup dreams are... Um, going to start at Brunton Park and against a team that are many divisions below us and also not doing very well in that division, in fact. But to get here, Horsham had to go through the mighty Haywood Heath Town. 
the Goliath task of King Stonionia. I can't say that name, I'm sorry. Um, the, <laughs> the absolute giants of Eastbourne Borough and the Stone Cast. Ah, I've run out of words. Woking. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, a lot of teams and a lot of replays actually along the way, most of them being replays for Horsham. Uh, none of this yeah. really matters when it comes to Carlisle United's game against Horsham. What the most interesting thing about this is going to be is uh, how many goals Sam Fishburne scores because that's going to be the thing that gets him in the starting lineup in the league yeah. is scoring goals. And I hope, I really do hope he gets himself a hat trick. Um, it's is that that standard of football he was playing yeah. with Lancaster? It's the sort of Southern Essex area equivalent of that league. And yeah, there's no reason why he can't turn up um, at his hometown club. Well, not his hometown club, but at his yeah. parent club and just just, just score some goals um, with some good players around him as well. And some players yeah. like um, Impala should probably be given a chance. Um, I expect to see Riley put back in the team for that game um, and maybe given the chance to play a different position in the midfield. Yeah. I expect a lot of people to be rested, Charters to play, Bell to play, and uh, maybe even seeing some of those young lads that played in the FA Cup game against Tranmere uh, to yeah. feature as well. Like Watts, Watts seems to be a bit of a goal machine, so it might be interesting to uh, give Sam Fishburne the confidence of playing alongside a striker that he's played with for over a year in that youth level and scored so many goals yeah. with. At the same time, I would say as well, you'd kind of want to, you know, if you're looking to bring Sam Fishburne through and improve his experience, then maybe you want to kind of put him alongside a more senior player who, mm. because if we, if Sam Fishburne does, you know, staff does really well and is knocking on the door, you know, starting line up, um, you know, then he'll be playing alongside someone like Clough, Dickinson, Gibson, these sorts of players. So the kind of like, um, you know, in terms of experience for the young players, you know, those that we give experience and the same time sort of need to be playing alongside senior players in order to really get the benefit out of that experience. Um, and then the other thing as well is like, I think uh, Keith Millen, I don't know what he's going to think about it, the, Hors the Horsham game, because he, he might look on it as a chance for him to, you know, to try what he thinks is going to be a strong lineup. Maybe, um, maybe save that for Morecambe because I mean it's it's good that we've got two cup games before our next league game, so he can, he he, he can you know I certainly expect the Morecambe game to be more like, it to be more like a starting lineup that he thinks is going to take us into the next um the, you know the next league game. Oh, okay. I would have done it the other way around, but like, I, I just to give you a team of confidence booster, you know, kind yeah. of thing. I would have, Morgan I would have played have... a stronger squad against Horsham than I'm going to play against Morgan. Yeah. It's because of where we are in that Johnson's paint, Papa John's kind of thing, anyway, and sort of yeah. how many, you know, how many points we've got anyway. We're not looking like we're getting out of that little group anyway. So I would have just we're, we're already out of it. Ah, we've already qualified. Yeah. 
yeah, we beat Everton under 23s, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was on holiday you know, that week, didn't really register. All uh, right. I mean, you know, nobody really cares about progression in that trophy. But no. well, yeah, well, there we go then. Yeah. It's a chance. <laughs> And you know, and 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 we know we're going to get another match in it after this, and maybe it's because Morecambe are going to be a lot better quality opponent than we. Yeah, you'd imagine so. Even though they're probably not going to put out their strongest squad, but I mean, if um if if Keith Millen wants to get a you know wants to get a look at senior players against senior players, then he does that against Morecambe, hopefully. Um, Horsham, like anyone that we pick out of our squad, I imagine is probably going to be leaps and bounds ahead of Horsham in terms of quality, but it's more of a mental thing, these kind of things, because also, you know, Horsham, you know, you listed off their, you know, the battles that they've already been through to get this far, and they've been through a lot of replays, and that'll be in their mentality now, and they'll kind of be psychologically prepared for knockout football and for FA Cup football. And that's where teams like us, where we're you know, in a bit of a bad spell and morale's a bit down. That's kind of where we come unstuck in these sorts of games where you get upset. But quality-wise, you know, even if we do put like most of the our like young players out there who don't have much experience, quality-wise, we should still be too good for Horsham. And if, you know, if we want to progress, which we do, we don't just want to use it as a chance to give players experience. Then also with the Horsham game, you kind of, you're putting in players that might have a bit more of a positive attitude. I mean, some of our, you know, you know, we've got some players who've just been in like uh, the FA Youth Cup. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know which of our... It was a good game to watch that. It was on YouTube. Know, the Oldham game, yeah. Don't mm. know whether... Fishburne would have been involved in that or whether he's seen... He's scored, I think he's scored two. Ah, well, they, yeah, so like, you know, these youth teams... He players, missed the penalty as well, though. Well, that can happen. He missed two, well, he missed two penalties. <laughs> he missed one in the shootout and he missed one in the yeah, game. That can happen. But yeah, I mean, because of the FA Youth Cup, some of these youth team players have got some more of the, the, the winning mentality from knockout competitions. Yeah, yeah. It was an entertaining game to be honest. I think it was Carlisle uh, Oldham in in the FA Youth Cup. It was a free game. It was on YouTube, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Carlisle lost on penalties, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so unlucky to the young Blues there. But all in all, a very entertaining game. Much more entertaining than Carlisle's game against Oldham in the league. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mate, do you know what? We've had a good talk, I reckon, and I reckon that's enough for us this week, unless you've got anything else you'd like to mention. No, don't think so. Um, we covered everything pretty much on my match report. Not that we want to go back to that. Um, yeah, um, guess next league game now is, is against Barra. That's it, the Cumbrian derby. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be there, mate. I'm looking forward to it. Are you going to um, be in the Warwick? We'll see. We'll see. I might have something up my sleeve. Uh, you'll have to keep an eye on the social medias uh, because the, I might have I might have something off my sleeve. If that doesn't happen, if that doesn't happen, I'll see you in the Warwick without got, a doubt. Got, got so many contacts now. David Holdsworth's been in touch. <laughs> well, apparently, apparently, Mister Mister James Phillips has been uh, denied entry to Brunton Park recently. I uh, that, well, I thought that was probably it. 
nothing to do with me, I might add. Um, no one's been in contact with me yet, but uh, <laughs> I don't expect you wanna, them to either. <laughs> I mean, were you wanting to cover the? Were you wanting to cover the situation with Phillips or? I mean, I didn't, I didn't, well, I wanted to kind of distance myself from it because I think yeah. people think I've got a bit of a vendetta against him and I don't, I'd love uh, his job. I'd love yeah. his job. Um, but uh, like, I, don't, I don't have a vendetta there. against him. Yeah. Um, but no, if you want to, if you want to kind of say oh, no. what, 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 what's gone on at all, like, but I, I, no, I don't know. Because I was kind I, of thinking that, um, you know, from, you know, from what I hear, because I say, I'm, I'm talking now, assuming that this bit will get cut out. Wouldn't want that to happen to you. Well, I've got nothing to do with the club. Um, so, like, if they've never backed James me... Phillips has nothing to do with the club. Oh, it's on Radio... Oh, that makes it extra drama, doesn't it? So, technically, he's employed by Radio BBC Cumbria. And yeah, yeah. the club denied him access to the game. Ah... Join the stands with a... You know, I mean, I think I think you can maybe help him get set up with sound because you got yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, is um, but the reasons why Phillips wasn't on, you know, on the commentary, maybe because so. Yeah, don't know, don't know what the crack is with that, but. It was it was reportedly just because Philip said that he, and that was the reason why they couldn't find a buyer. Was the rumours are that is the thing that um, got you know that got him banned from the press box. So it it it, it doesn't look good on it doesn't look good on the boards. I think I've like, said. That. I think I've said my two piece on the board um, yeah, a few yeah. times. So uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, take your time when editing that because I'd say I wouldn't. I wouldn't want you to kind of turn up a you know like if you've got like you know you if if you've got your contact <laughs> and, and I know what I know I know what you're implying that you might be watching the game from. I would, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want that to get taken away from you because you've criticised the board in your podcast. Well, this is this is why we use aliases like Stellan. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we use things like aliases, mate. Yeah, this is how this is I how know, we get I through. Know. But I you, you use your real name as well, and yeah, you're, you're true. You're right. You're right. I think we, I think, I think we fly under the radar, though. To be honest, I think, I, I think we're flying under the radar still uh, uh, when it comes to that kind of thing. And if anything, uh, mate, what great content it would have given yeah. me eh, if they didn't let me in. What great content I'd get out of that. Oh uh, no, proceed. <laughs> we proceed with caution, though. Away. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Proceed well, with caution. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well so said. I mean, obviously, like have a dig at the boards, but I mean, certainly in the issue of kind of like. Um, whether James Phillips has been denied access to Brunton Park and why, um, mm. that's potentially kind of like a dicey area to go into. Yeah, yeah. Well, we haven't, we haven't, we haven't uh, necessarily given an opinion on that. We've just kind of said. But we kind of happened. have. You, you, <laughs> no, listen, <laughs> 
we'll see. We'll see what gets left in. We'll see what gets left in. And um, do you know what? On those bombshells, we'll uh, we'll let you all go. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Blue Army podcast. This has been episode thirty-one. We've been joined by Wills. Thank you very much for joining us, Wills. Yes, hello. It's not time to say hello, hello now. It's time hello. to say goodbye, Wills. It's goodbye time now. It's bye time. Hello, say goodbye, Wills. Goodbye. <laughs> and we'll be seeing you all again next week. Well, if Wills can join us, he'll be seeing you all again next oh, week. Yeah. But I, yeah. I'll be cup game. Aye, there we go. We'll get a full in-depth analysis from Wills on the FA Cup game. And then, of course, we'll be giving you the teasers all around the Cumbrian derby. And maybe, maybe I'll be abusing my contact list again to get <laughs> some extra insight from the Barrow end. So, uh, yeah, I just leave that where it lies because I've been pinched before when it comes to making promises about people appearing <laughs> and then unfortunate things happening last minute which is all fine nobody can help it but yeah i won't be getting pinched again when it comes to confirming guests ahead of time uh, but yeah wills thank you very much for joining me thank you all very much for listening this has been the blue army podcast episode 41 and there's nothing left to do but say bye for now Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.